Welcome to the five things this week in social. Each week, we dive into the ocean of the internet, look under every rock just to bring you shiny pearls of social media wisdom that you can then put in your pocket and show your friends at the next clam bake. Today, our social media divers are your friends, Tommy Boyce and Amanda Davis. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Joey. Question for you both that I need to know personally, where are we on boat shoes this upcoming spring slash summer season? Flop, flop. No, I'm not having it. Okay. We are now focusing on loafers. We're going loafers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Loafers are in. All right. No boat shoes. In with the loafers. I'm Joey Scarillo. Obviously, I'm in the market for new footwear. Let's dive into the five things. Okay. First up, our Gen Z correspondent, Tommy Boyce, tells us about the White House who briefed TikTok stars about the war in Ukraine. Amanda unpacks Twitter's about face on the algorithmic timeline. Tommy gets into Instagram, who launched a new moderator option for Instagram live streams. Amanda shares TikTok's tips on how to maximize branded content on their platform. And finally, Tommy tells us that Pinterest now allows users to share idea pins on other platforms. All right, let's get into it. Tommy, tell us about the White House meeting with TikTok stars about the war in Ukraine. Yeah, it was very sad I was not invited to this. I could have briefed my 82 TikTok followers. So in a very 2022 moment, last week, the White House briefed 30 top TikTokers on key information about the war unfolding in Ukraine. National Security Council staffers and White House Press Secretary Jen Paskey briefed the influencers about the United States' strategic goals in the region and answered questions on distributing aid to Ukrainians, working with NATO, and how the U.S. would react to a Russian use of nuclear weapons. The White House also began working with Gen Z for Change, a nonprofit advocacy group, to help identify top content creators on the platform to orchestrate a briefing aimed at answering questions about the conflict and the U.S.'s role in it. Now, this sounds like a very fake news story. It's already been spoofed by SNL. But to me, it does make sense that something like this would happen. The Biden administration already has used influencers and Gen Z TikTok folk for this purpose before. Famously, Olivia Rodrigo spoke to the American public about getting vaccinated and streaming Deja Vu. And as the crisis in Ukraine has escalated, millions have turned to TikTok for information or just even a first-person view of what is happening there in real time. And I think it's it's important for us to recognize that a lot of people, especially younger people, get their news from TikTok. There's a great article in The Verge that came out, I believe, either yesterday or this morning about how people, influencers in Ukraine have now become, you know, first person views of just the day to day real-time response to what's happening there. And I think, again, we've seen this story before, but it's just another indication on the power of influencers and just the power of TikTok in general. I think it's really important for us to recognize that people go to influencers, not just for, you know, opinions about products or whatever we use them for typically as brands, but also about life and about the way that the world is currently unfolding. And so I think it's a new, maybe a new avenue for us to use influencers as a way to spread either, you know, values or information that we as advertisers want to get across for brands. And I think that we're going to see, especially as it seems like the Biden administration is leaning into this real moment on TikTok of influencers and of young people using the platform in this way. I think we're going to see a lot more stuff like this in the future. And I think this, there's a lot of lessons to be learned here from brands and how to use influencers and get the most possible you know, mileage and visibility out of them. I 
absolutely love this. It is such a complete and hard 180 turn from the last administration and the last time we talked about TikTok in the White House. It's almost like if FDR was the radio president and JFK was the TV president, Biden has become the TikTok president. Right. And so I'm curious, Amanda, what do you think this means for the influence that the platforms have on the future? Joey, I think you make a great point thinking around Facebook's role in the past four to eight years of the U.S. political system. So this is a smart move for TikTok influencers to make sure that users continue to value and find content useful on the platform. Awesome. Yeah, I think we will definitely keep an eye on this story. If TikTokers find themselves in the White House again or talking to President Biden, it'll be a top story for us. All right, let's switch over to Twitter, who reversed their decision on the algorithmic timeline. Amanda, break this all down for us. So this one's pretty simple, but I think important. Last week, Twitter introduced a home tab on its iOS app where users would start to see tweets and content algorithmically versus the latest tweets first. I think this received a lot of backlash from the platform. A lot of people use Twitter to really understand what's happening in real time for cultural moments and get their content in a way that feels relevant to the most urgent updates more recently. A lot of pushback, a lot of conversation on the platform around this decision to be made. And what they did this week is actually reverse that decision and remove the home tab for now on the app so that all users would have this chronological order to their timeline. The VP of Consumer Product, Jay Sullivan, actually mentioned that he really is working on giving people more choice and control over their Twitter experience and understanding that some people might want to experience the feed in one way while others want to in another way. It was a really good example of how the platform does a great job of listening to the use to the users, figuring out what they want and kind of building and developing and growing there. It's smart. If they had continued forward with this new algorithmic timeline without listening to their consumers, they likely would have seen a big dip in how people engage with the platform. So Tommy, are the the masses rejoicing over this? How do you feel about the change? I feel very grateful about this change. I think that people are very happy that they're able to use Twitter the way that God intended, seeing things as it happens in real time. I will say it's interesting because this feels like a weird move for Twitter or it felt like one because, you know, Twitter is all about at the moment, Web3. It's about decentralization about letting users control the way they use their platform. And then it forced them into this algorithmic feed. I would never have considered Twitter implementing something like that when they're all for championing people using the platform the way they want to. And I'm glad that they've went back on this because I feel like it's not, again, it's not what people use Twitter. People use Twitter for real-time updates. They want to see like, what are their friends tweeting literally a minute ago, what's the latest news unfolding, like as we said before, in Ukraine. And so I think this is a very good move for them. And I'm surprised that this happened even in the first place. I think it was a weird kind of moment for the brand. Just a good example of Twitter getting it wrong and then getting it right. All right, let's switch over to the gram. Uh, Tommy, tell us about the new moderator option. Yeah, so Instagram's adding more capabilities for users to manage their live broadcasts in the app with a new live stream moderator option that will allow users to assign a moderator within a stream. Streamers on Instagram will be able to assign a moderator, giving the mod capacity to report comments, remove viewers from a stream, and turn off comments for a specific viewer. The option will provide another means to control the flow of content within a stream and address concerns with inappropriate behavior during Instagram live sessions. The addition of live mods, which Instagram has been developing over the past few months, will help or should help to provide some additional security for Insta live streams while also making it easier for users to manage their broadcasts. And I think, you know, this is a great move for Instagram. I know that there's been stories in the past about people being, you know, harassed on streams or really running into trolls. And there was one recently where unfortunately an influencer like 
got really upset and like I think cried during a stream because just the hate she was receiving from like a wave of trolls. And so I think now this is a great move, not only for creators who regularly use Instagram live streams, but also it's great now that people will want to use it more. I think adding more security will encourage more live streaming in the future. And Instagram seems to want to encourage it with their push towards video content that's been really the over overarching story for them for the past 18 months or so. So I think this is a great move overall. I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner when you consider how easily Twitch has implemented it and made it a part of its platform experience. And I think now if people were worried or brands were worried about getting into the live stream party, they now have a little more security and stability around how the process will go and how the user experience will be. Yeah, more moderation is always good. Amanda, I'm curious, you've been on other platforms. You've seen moderators across multiple platforms. Tommy, you mentioned Twitch. What are some things that you've seen on these other platforms that you'd like to see implemented on Instagram? So I think they're leaning in the right direction of not just moderation, but community moderation. A really good example of this is on Discord for an app that brings a lot of different topics into it. They do a great job of creating this culture in the conversation that really doesn't promote negativity. People don't really troll on those channels as much. There's things like needing to wait a certain amount of time when you join a channel to be able to post some other kinds of controls that lean into how the user experiences it and helps do that job of controlling a little bit of the content. So I think that this is a step in the right direction. Starting with the community helping to moderate the channel is really helpful. And again, could help shift the culture of why some platforms do experience more of that trolling and and bad actors than others. Yeah, limiting that time and how fast you can post, I think is really important. It sort of slows down the chat a little bit, lets people think a little bit instead of just reacting. All right, Amanda, let's get back into TikTok and talk about their tips on how to maximize branded content. I think this will be really interesting. So TikTok recently partnered with Ipsos to conduct hundreds of all these brand list studies that help get a little bit of insight into what some of the best practices are on the platform, specifically for branded content. They released an infographic, so I, I definitely recommend checking it out. But some of the, the top lines we'll go through really quickly. The first being that brand-led content and creator-led content, while both of those do well individually, they actually do better when you actually leverage both. So the first being that while brand-led content and creator-led content does lead a lot higher than the normal Ipsos brand recognition, it actually works a lot better and gives you more of a brand lift when you use these together. So you you know you can imagine partnering with a creator to make a video that they kind of use in their own authentic voice and also having a brand-led ad in the content feed that gives you that additional lift that ends up being 2.8 above the Ipsos norm than what you would see on other platforms. Secondly, letting creators interact with the product gives you not only higher ad recall, but 10% point lift in brand linkage. So being able to actually give the product to the creator, interact with it, talk about the features, really improves ad memorability in that way. Secondly, thinking about sound, you know, when you include any song rather than no song, it gives you a two point lift in brand recognition and ad recall. If you add a voiceover to that song, gives you three additional points in ad recall. And then when you actually customize that song and the voiceover, instead of using you know a sound that might already be established on the platform, that's giving brands 8% more points in brand linkage. So people are really recalling what you're saying in the ad, what you're listening to, and bringing that back to the brand and what they're trying to say. Another point that is probably not surprising, but very important to remember as you're making this content on the platform is that brands that actually leave their brand cues until the end lose 17% of their points in brand linkage. So if you have this content that might be really fun engaging, but you don't bring any brand cues until the end of the content, a lot of users either just won't make it there or won't associate your brand with that content. And really the sweet spot for these brand cues, which can be everything from logos to the product itself to sonic cues is three to five within that content. And that's adding 
14% brand linkage in the content there. So again, not only just making content that's interesting and memorable, but making sure your brand is credited with that content is really important. But there's a lot of info in this. And again, TikTok being able to provide a lot of this research in partnership with Ipsos is super valuable. Yeah, a lot of information. Thank you for diving into all those numbers. We should direct people to this study in the show notes. But I'm curious, Tommy, one, what jumped out to you? And two, what do you think is the biggest takeaway for brands out of all this information? I think I can answer that with one statement, which is, again, just remembering TikTok as an audio platform. I've seen some brands try to use TikTok as a way of a video, like they post a video instead of using audio and the video itself is the trend. When that just goes against the way that TikTok is used, when it's literally like, it's the audios that lead you down the rabbit holes of trends, things like that. Like you think of any viral trends on TikTok and it's all audio based. It's all either maybe a bizarre moment or bizarre posting trend compared to a song that doesn't correlate at all, or it's using a song for a message or something of that sort. And I think, again, it's just using audio and using voiceover too as a way to just increase that recall and use TikTok to its maximum potential. I think it's such a powerful tool in that regard. And I think it's interesting too, like the way we talk about TikTok, remember like we used to quote Vines you know, like you would quote vines because that's what they were. They were short little snippets. But nowadays we use TikTok audios. And that's just the power of the app. And what's, it's what makes it so special and so unique. So I think recognizing that and really creating and crafting content that suits that way of usage is what will make you have success on the platform. Dare we say that TikTok is an audio platform? No, but I do love it. There's some of those little earworms that just get stuck in your head and really drive culture. All right, let's land this plane. Tommy, tell us about Pinterest and their idea pins. So Pinterest has released a new update now giving users the option to download and share their idea pins on Facebook and Instagram. And this is a major upgrade for Pinterest creators with significant followings on Facebook or Instagram. And Pinterest can now easily repurpose their story-like content with multiple communities by sharing their creations across all these different platforms. So idea pins, for those of you not aware, are basically Pinterest's answer to stories. And they're a really great tool that I'm not sure many people know about or use. Unlike stories on Instagram or Facebook, they're actually, they're multi-page canvases to share, you know, ideas, tutorials, passions, whatever you use Pinterest for, and they last forever. So they're a way for creators to grow an audience on Pinterest with content that won't just last 24 hours, but can be used to cultivate a brand and, you know, aesthetic identity. So users can record video for up to 20 pages of content, voice over their content so that they can add their own personal voice or spin. They have access to editing tools that could add interactive elements. There's a lot to play with. And I think that this is a really great moment for Pinterest and Pinterest users to amp out the story tool to other platforms. And I think you can use it now to hit the trifecta of Pinterest. Instagram and Facebook, some of the largest platforms existing on social and use it to just increase your visibility and increase your audience. And I think, again, people maybe don't understand and I've had to learn to understand Pinterest as such a really powerful force with really passionate and engaging users. And now being able to make these stories that are separate from Instagram and Facebook and visually eye-catching and have different ways of looking and feeling and being able to post them on Instagram and Facebook where people will be able to like see like, oh, this is a unique looking story. What's this about? Um, and grow their audience there. You can now direct users maybe from Instagram or Pinterest to your Instagram store, your Facebook marketplace, things like that. So I think there's just really endless possibilities for how people can use all three of these major platforms. And I think maybe you wouldn't think of using Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook in a similar way, but now you can have different strategies for each platforms and merge them all together for this just great pyramid effect of just 
hitting all the major all the major buttons on social. Yeah, I think this is really cool. I love that it lasts forever. I think that's really interesting versus all the other platforms that have that 24-hour cycle. I would only imagine that this is really good for discoverability for your pins. Amanda, do you see a use case for yourself or Tommy too? Would you ever create stories on Pinterest to then share on other platforms? Yeah, I think the creator tools, and we've talked about them a couple of times as they've been released over the last year or so, are really advanced and actually give the creator a lot of control. I think, Joey, to your point, it's discoverability that this will help with and also bringing people to Pinterest when they might not necessarily think of it right away for a topic. A lot of people have specific uses of why they go to Pinterest and, and what they use it for. So I'm excited to see how creators kind of bring this to other platforms and start to open up the conversation of, of how people can use Pinterest and the kind of content there, because I think that that most would be a little surprised and pleasantly unexpected. Yeah, we we generally like Pinterest on this show. We we talk very highly of it. And I think out in the world, it's a little bit underrated, but we, we really like it over here. Okay, that does it for us this week. I want to thank Amanda and Tommy as always. Just a quick little note. I wanted to let you guys know that I tried out AMP after talking about it on last week's show. And it is actually really cool. Not a lot of users right now, but I can see that it's growing. And if uh, if I start getting into DJing sets, I'll start promoting it here on the podcast because why not? It's a platform. And I also wanted to let our listeners know that next week we will have something really special for you in your feed that we are really pumped about. But we don't want to say too much too soon, but just stay tuned for that. And of course, if you don't already, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app and share the show with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your clients. And if you've got questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, or complaints, email that over to podcasts at gray.com. I, I already thanked Amanda and Tommy. Thank you again. Thanks to Danielle and the crew over at Gramercy Park Studios for bringing the show to life every week. And thank you, listener. See you next week. And in the meantime, be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes. With post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by John Jenkinson, Christina Hyde, and Liz McGovern. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.